Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Bizarre Junkies podcast. I am your host, Austin Alvarez. We are joined yet again by an amazing guest. I am joined today by Mr. Robert Condal, who you may not know him, but I guarantee you know his work. So Robert was an online editor for such shows as Expedition Unknown, Finding Bigfoot, and Face Off, just to name a few. Robert, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate this. Dude, I'm excited. You're welcome. How you, how you doing? It's uh, So I actually met you through one of one of our mutual clients that we both work for. Uh, I produce his show here at the studio, and you know I got, I've gotten to know you a couple of times. You're like, yeah, I used to work on these shows. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I have deliberately mentioned at least Expedition Unknown multiple times. First off, I've never met anyone in person that actually watched those shows, so I feel honored. <laughs> How does it feel to see that the one person on Sci-Fi that kept that channel going? Dude, I love it. Thank you. Now, I was it was super random, and I'm glad that uh, we're gonna we're gonna start. Uh, you know, there was a lot. Of, I went through a lot of therapy just to forget all these things, and now we're, today we're uh, we're uncovering my past. So if I get PTSD. My water's over there, so I'm going to make a run for it. <laughs> for sure, dude. For sure. Well, hopefully we don't bring up anything bad. So how did you get started in all this? So wh- how did you start as a professional, as an editor, and what led to you being on these heavy hitter shows? Wow. 24, sleeping on the couch, living on my car, moved, just moved to L.A. This is a little short story. Um, I was interning for nothing, and then I was just sort of shadowing editors and this is in 2004. So the I was working on the what they used to call Avid Systems. Yep. And uh, there was just some badass editors who were working for like Game Show Network, um, just the television shows that I had zero clue about um, as uh, somebody who used to sell cell phones. <laughs> so they're <laughs> like, you know, I was exposed to all this stuff, moved to LA and just lived out of my car for a bit. And then when the editors would go home, I would just edit, edit, edit. I had a small little window um, uh, to edit this music video from Mandy Moore behind the scenes um, Ah. from this movie called Saved. And none of the editors could crack the code for the music video. And I just stayed up one one night editing and showed the guys. And they're like, okay, you can edit. Now you're promoted to editor. And so that's how it happened. Um, For And then fast forward, you know, sort of, when was that? Maybe six, seven years later, I kind of worked my way up through the Hollywood editing ranks, um, learned how to um, line edit, offline edit. There was two types of edit. There's two types of editors in, in uh, broadcast television. There's offline editing, which works with the story, story producers and the production company. And then there's online editing, which is the finisher. So they would usually that's outsourced and... Um, they would uh, hire another company to online edit. So that means they would sit with the producers. It would be, it's technically like last eyes. They would marry audio, graphics, and you would sit and order lunch and then frame fuck the, ed- the, frame fuck the, the, the edit until you were ready to air. And then it would go to quality control and then uh, another round of specs and then it would air on TV. So that's how it works. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. I, uh, we were, we were talking a little bit before this because I am an editor by trade. That's how I got into this situation that I'm at right now. I actually started this channel because I just liked editing videos. And I was like, I like this creepy content. I'm going to make content and then be able to, and then I can edit it. And then yeah. I have editing experience. So being an editor with this kind of material, obviously, like you said, you really, 
were you like a hobbyist editor coming into it or were you really just getting your feet off the ground with that Mandy Moore music video and No, that's this was all for a production company. Um so it wasn't really hobbyist. It was like me just trying to make money and eat. <laughs> right. Surviving. Oh, so it came out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was again, I was living in Vegas before moving to LA selling cell phones and didn't really have any directions and I had a small opportunity to start this stuff and it just kind of kept going, right? And then everybody underneath me was just from film school and I was just this guy who just just stayed late at work and learned how to do this stuff, right? So yeah, I totally out of necessity because I was broke. <laughs> For sure. Okay, yeah. so so Obviously, so obviously you ended up being an online editor. Did you ever do any offline editing for maybe not those shows, but any shows ever? Not television shows, but the other company I was working for, I was working for a couple companies just freelancing. I was doing uh, online editing, offline editing for a show for, there was a company called Spike TV back in the day. Good old Spike. Um, and there was a comedy show. So I did edit uh, offline and online, I had offlined it, and then I onlined it, and then I and it aired for Spike TV. Uh, I think it was called like the Lance Crawl Show. Okay, so, I think, yeah, yeah, I think I've heard of that one. Yep. So, which do you prefer? As an obviously now, you do more so like you're doing everything because you're more so in the content space now, like we are. Correct. Yeah. I now I just ha own my own company, and we just do social media stuff and internet stuff. I like. Uh, whoa. You're gonna break it. Yeah. Sorry. That's dude. okay. Sorry, my friend. There's a. We got a friend here. You have two uh, friends. They're conjoined. Um, you know, as a as somebody who owns their own company, I like the freedom to just not have to to go through the chain of commands. Like back, yeah, I left LA because it was very so much like um, notes, 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 studio notes, uh, standard and practices notes. Those are called SMP notes. Like you know, just legal notes. There was too many notes, <laughs> too many, too many chefs, cooks in the kitchen, basically. There. And then it gets diluted, right? Like you're like a lot of, if we go into these shows, like this isn't even, it's not even art, man. It's like, like, how do we sell commercials? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And you were telling me that, uh, last week when we were scheduling this, you were like, yeah, the, I, I want to say it was expedition unknown. I think you were saying like everything just had to end on a cliffhanger. Yep. So people would be would want to stay, but they'd have to sit through the next commercial break. The formula for reality, reality, the formula for reality, reality TV. I can't even say that right now. Um, they just want you to, to not change the channel for broadcast. Right. Um, so every act there's four acts. If it's 45 minutes, every act needs to end like with a big drum roll. Yep montage of somebody really shocked or like something breaking, you know, this, the audience cannot change that channel. <laughs> That's it. Right. No, it's the same like yeah. with YouTube. Now you just want to keep them on same for 10 formula. minutes. So you can get monetized. Same formula. The hook is in the front. Right. And then the, at the, so at the, in broadcast, the hooks at the bottom and in the front. So, you know, it's one of those things like those production companies are all competing to pick, to, to get picked up for the next season basically right to gain funding and to keep their job basically yeah. everybody everybody in that production company wants to keep their job so the story is contrived to for the audience to tune in every second pretty much right so that's why you see such crazy shit during those there was a you know there was a whole stint when reality tv show happened it was just 
just crazy shit like survivor like yep. the, you know the real world right like ghost hunt hunters all that stuff right it was just cops like all of it was just nuts right so the audience loves to watch train wrecks and it it almost paved the way for social media now right like the, we got we all got our hands on like a camera and a phone and social media which is broadcast um and it's the Wild West right now. I love it. So did you, did you, uh, I named some of the shows you've worked on. I looked up your IMDb. Did you ever end up working on Ghost Hunters? I, th I remember you bringing no, that show up, but. No, but the company I was working with had a, a B version of that. I, there okay. was so many like spinoffs to that. Right. I well, I mean, there was a spinoff that ended up being the biggest show in ghost hunting ever, which was Ghost Adventures. Oh, wow. Because I remember yeah. that. I remember Ghost Hunters had been out for years and yep. then Ghost Adventures released. I remember they released a documentary film mm -hmm. it was like an hour and i remember watching it at like 10 o'clock one night on like a wednesday on sci-fi and like being scared out of my goddamn mind and then going back later and, and watching analyzed footage of it i'm like oh uh, okay so you even said that too well let me interrupt you yeah. so as a as the you know as a viewer and then you became the editor and you pulled you were you saw what was going on behind the scenes and what you can see did that kill it for you, or did that even make it make you want to maybe be on the creative side more? So I always wanted to be on the creative side because, yeah. but I never wanted to be on the sensationalism side of it. Yeah, like reality TV. I always wanted to be like on this aspect where it's like, okay, th like there is some real creepy shit out there that for you don't sure. have to fake for sure. And so yeah. I like that stuff. Granted, sensationalism is cool and it works, and it's and I may use it here and there, but I don't use it as my main. I'll use sensationalism to, to hook them sure. into what I actually want to talk about. That's that's smart because honestly, too, the audience is pretty smart with certain things. Like you can play into that and it'll become like um, entertainment then, right? Like it'll right. become the WWE. Everybody knows it's fake, but people still tune it's in. It's still right? real to me, it's damn it. Still, still <laughs> I think I just crushed Austin's dream. No, no, no. That was uh, actually... Santa is fake too, guys. I can talk about it now, but one of the first games I worked on when I worked at 2K was WWE 2K20. And so, like, I remember getting into arguments with supervisors because they were, like, legit fans. I'm like, but it's fake. And they're like, yes, okay, we know. But you have to suspend belief. You yeah. have to suspend reality to, to, to enjoy it. And then sure. once I did that, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah, you kind of have to take it for what it is, right? And I think some of those reality shows, you have to... Most people don't care. And then, you know, as somebody in, in the industry, um, I think you just, you, you know, I was in it for 20 years. I just got jaded a little bit because it became a little bit too much of the business side of things and the, the, the commercial side of things. And then as a technician, as an editor, you just get like bombarded by notes. I get, it was really about the notes and in, and uh, just too many people trying to keep their jobs and putting in, you know, their two cents. Yeah, you, you tend to hear, like, we don't, obviously, we're so new here at the studio that we don't really have that problem. We actually welcome everybody's opinion and everything. But at a certain point, it does get to that. Like, I've heard that with Saturday Night Live so much mm -hmm. where, like, a comedian will write a really good sketch and then they'll, they'll send it up to the writers mm -hmm. for them to approve it. And then the writers will go, oh, look at this cool idea I just wrote. And they're like, what do you, I literally just handed that to you yesterday. What do you mean you wrote? Well, you guys are different here because you produce straight to 
the platform's different, right? Correct. Broadcast television. You is have like, a, like an NBC or a CNN yeah. or a Sci-Fi. Mm -hmm. We we're we're everything. Granted, yes, we do have shows that are like that. I have worked, and I know exactly what you mean. Like I was telling you about uh, a big client uh, I had to go film for uh, at the mansions at MGM. Uh, the client was on our side, but they had a third party that was that was producing everything. Yep. So we would do ninety percent of the work of filming, editing. Uh, literally all they would do is like, and they wouldn't even like really cut the clips. I would still pre-cut them for them, send it off. And then they would just add their little touches and then upload it and they would upload the episodes. But we were in a problem where it was constantly like this because they were like, well, we want this. And we're like, okay, but the client wants this. Yeah. We also, want the client when they're paying to be more money, like if Correct. you think about advertising, it's like millions of dollars. Right. That's justifiable. They all want to make sure they, you know, it's the perfect, perfect edit the perfect show right. right if you're the reason why we didn't get this five million dollar coke deal like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like yeah we're gonna we're gonna be pretty pissed about that and i get that like i 100 get that now i have to uh thankfully bizarre junkies is at a point now where we're like in the sponsorship game nice where you know we have to granted i'm not gonna censor myself for sponsors but then i also can understand like okay i'm not gonna go for coke or i'm not gonna go for disney as sponsors i'll go for something that's more that aligns like more local. so maybe not even just local, but you know, a brand that's not afraid of the content that I talk about. Sure. And I'm not you talking gotta about be aligned is the word you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. I, I find somebody that's aligned with our brand mm -hmm. and that's aligned with, you know, I, at the end of the day, like people are like, Oh, you're a sellout. It's like, I, I have a four year old, like I have bills oh. to pay. I have people to feed. Like, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to totally just be like bizarre junkies today is brought to you by raid shadow legends. Yeah. Even though Amber, I think I would totally pick up a Raid Shadow Legends or LOL. Or no, I I shower. Um, <laughs> anyways, so obviously, and this comes to me too. Like video games are forever ruined for me from being a QA tester for three years. Like, oh, really? I've seen it. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I, you hand me any video game right now, I can look at it and go. There's an issue there. There's an issue there. There's an issue there. This issue, I guarantee you, devs were like, this isn't worth our time. We're not going to fix it. That issue is a. We really couldn't find a fix that wouldn't mess up eight other things, and this one is a like. Wow. Yeah. So if you ever play a video game and you see a bunch of issues, don't blame QA. I'm uh, I'm in deep into Hyrule right now for Hyrule. Tears of the Tears of is the Kingdom. Is that the new Zelda? <laughs> yeah. I I tried. Uh, I stopped doing this in my 30s, and I literally picked up a Switch for a. Um, oh, you oh you made a mistake. I, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna play this one game, and I'm like, oh man. This is it. An entire video game catalog. Later. Yeah, and in catalog later, you're just uh, like, here yeah. I am. So obviously, uh, being an editor in that, you already know all the smoke and mirrors. And you've told me, and I don't want to burst anybody's bubble here, but you said it. And I've said this before, too, because uh, one of my HR supervisors that I had at 2K was a producer in Hollywood. And he straight up looked at us in the face and said, if they tell you it's real on TV, 100% it's not. Wow. You know, speaking of smoke and mirrors, one of the what was on my resume, I think I don't know if you saw it, but uh, it was literally this show called Magic's Biggest Secrets Finally Revealed. It was Oh, this, you did that one. Yeah. It was the masked mag magician. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. And I remember the producers coming in, we did season one and they were like, God, the whole magician community is pissed off at us and that me uh, and the the guy who was playing in him because they were giving away all his uh, all the tricks. It it was like Copperfield was pissed and I just maybe I don't say Copperfield, but like most of these people are pissed <laughs> off because they were like, "Damn, this guy's giving our secrets away." 
And uh, I think, you know, at the end of the season, they were just, you know, they kind of backtracked and said, we're doing this to push the, the industry forward and blah, blah, blah. But that show was sort of a nightmare to edit. I remember that show. Like, again, PTSD, dude. <laughs> right. And I've, I know what you mean, because it's not PTSD like we were blown up in combat. It's a PTSD of like... In the edit session. Oh, my God. I'm going to go to work today, and I'm just going to get hounded by this producer who like just doesn't care well, about me. Talk about fake, right? So that show, there was a sh there was skit in that show where the magician's supposedly levitating. Right. Right? And so he's literally being brought up by a crane with some strings attached to him. And I had to rotoscope the strings out. So that's why I mean my PTSD. And to me, it was just like, God, we're just lying to the people. I'm pissed off because these you guys didn't do the production right because the strings are showing. Yep. And, and we would like we tried so many things, dude. I like exported frames out trying to export those frame uh, the the the. The what do you call those suspension? They're like these steel suspension. Yeah, they're just wires. They're just wires, basically. And he's supposed to be like floating in front of this crowd. So that's how, you know, David Copperfield did it. He just faked it. <laughs> there was literally even some edit tricks, like in camera edit tricks, like, like stuff you'd only see. Like Chris. Okay, so Chris Angel's one that I loved. Mind yep. Freak loved watching when I was a kid. And then I like they were like, we have one continuous camera. No, but then the camera's like hella far away. No. So you're like, wait a minute, they're not even focused in on on like the actual trick. They're just showing like an aerial view. Like the making the Eiffel Tower disappear disappear right. was literally just a can't an edit. <laughs> it's just like this is, this is crazy. <laughs> After like, effects hard at work. Yeah. And then so it, it, it dude, it was in Avid and Avid's freaking um That's the one I've it was never the touched. Worse. It was the worst. It didn't have any graphic capabilities. Um but yeah, like literally, so some of that stuff was just straight up like lies, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so the initial question I'm trying to get to, and I keep sidetracking myself, is uh, was there ever a moment with like Expedition Unknown? Obviously, hmm. probably not, because you knew, I'm assuming you knew the entire story leading up, like the entire episode flow. So online was a little different because we were the third hands on it. So, produ so production would do it, and then the offline editing would do it. Uh, meaning working with the producers, by the time we got it, it was pretty much intact, right? The story was intact. We're just finessing stuff. And it was my outside perspective to just kind of have these opinions of, okay, this doesn't seem all. Because I can see the timeline, you know what I mean? I'm like, I can scroll back to the head of this clip and go, oh, I see what happened there. <laughs> right. This is fabricated a little so bit. So none of the content ever scared you? Or made you being like, whoa, what was that? You know, when you're looking at it from a technical standpoint, right? It's so hard to be immersed in it as a viewer, right? Right. Does and that make sense? Yeah, it's the same thing like probably video the wrong, games. That's probably the wrong No, no, you're 100% correct because that's how it yeah. was in QA. It's hard to, like, people be like, oh, you go play video games all day. I'm like, no, I, I don't. It's literally like I have a spreadsheet yeah. and I'm supposed to check... Okay, I have to check, and uh, you know, I worked on the Borderlands games at the end, and there's literally a million guns in that game. Yep. It's like, okay, I got to spawn all these guns and make sure their damage values are correct as to what they're reporting. To answer your question, though, before I got into any of this stuff and the curtain wasn't pulled back, yeah, that shit, like, scared me, you know? <laughs> I had, growing up in the 80s, uh, un Unsolved Mysteries, and that shit uh -huh. scared the shit out of me. Freddy Krueger did, you know? And then I, like, started, like, becoming part of this industry and i'm like oh 
that's just everything's fake. It, you're, I'm, I'm telling you, you just get jaded once you, once you, it's like once you know the magic trick, it's kind of hard to see it again. And you know, I'm a musician too, so it's like Me it's too. hard to yeah, do that I get too. That. Like I just analyze everything, so like yep. I cannot go to movie th- movies with people. I can't like. There's a lot of things I cannot do anymore. See, I don't think I'm that bad because we just went to uh, the studio here, hosted like a movie night for Air. That just came out, but mm-hmm. also that was just like a drama piece. It wasn't trying to. I don't know. I could go to the movies and still be like, okay, but like now I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like and like I subconsciously pick up like uh, the other day, like Grown Ups was on the Adam Sandler film, and I'm like, if you look at this angle, like this shot, he's not talking, sure, but he's reacting yes. to them talking in the. So it's but it's stuff that the tricks that I've used, like okay, the face is good in this, but nobody's really going to, the average person isn't going to go, okay, that's a that's a different take. They're yeah. going to think, oh, they just had two cameras. And to, to kind of go, go back to your question, I could tell if the actors or the cast was genuinely scared. So it, it was me more analyzing the scene. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it never scared me, like, because, you know, I can see all the elements right in front of me. <laughs> So, okay, go a little bit into that. Like, you could see, like... Yeah, like, if you look at an editing timeline, you can see what is labeled, like... Right, but I mean... Reaction, I mean, take one. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah, the... <laughs> All right, so then you guys hammed it up for the camera, you know what I mean? But then if it's not named, uh, there may be some validity there if it's not necessarily named Josh Gates' crazy Dude, reaction one. Well, a lot of these... Here's the thing, though. Because of that, because there's so much money behind reality TV, the story is already made before they shoot it. Right, yeah. They've already yes. written it. It's just like yes. it's just like a Family Guy yes. episode. They yeah. already have it's it aired exactly out. It's exactly like that. Episode one is going to be this. We're going to go to Mexico, and we're going to find this hidden chupacabra. I, I don't know if that's the right episode, but like... I, I know that So, episode. two, we're going to St- Stonehenge to look at this, and we're going to do this, and... The reactions, you know, because you think about it, they can't spend all day waiting for shit to happen, okay? No, they're on a schedule. They're on a schedule. There's people to be fed. There's craft services. There's, we got to get to the next destination. So there's only a certain amount of time, especially on location, that the crew can spend. So that's sometimes, sometimes they don't get anything and you got to craft it in the edit. You know what I mean? And a lot of that stuff happens with Bigfoot. You know, with Finding Bigfoot. Finding Bigfoot, it was more so just like, let's go out to these actual real people who think Bigfoot exists and hear their stories and maybe let's just see, you know, let's see what we get out of it. And then, you know, a lot of it is very fabricated to... Sensationalism. To to, to what it is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because otherwise, you know, like, you know, teach their own, but if you believe in that, it's cool, but like... As a production, you kind of have to you have to make it exciting a little bit, right? So there's a lot of wiggle there's a lot of wiggle room there <laughs> to tell the story. That's I mean I know this, but I know the audience yeah. is probably like, oh uh, man, yeah. Don't listen to this if you believe in that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So so going into that, then do you actually put the editing aside? Sure. Yeah. You as Robert. Yes. Do you think that there are there is a Bigfoot out there or that there is a Yeti out there or that there is some supernatural being. Part of me wants to believe that there's aliens out there. Oh, there I has have, to be. I have like alien tattoos on me and like to there, me it's that, just like I there love has that to part. be. Yeah. Because it would be so crazy to think that we're the only life yes. form in the universe. Correct. And the Bigfoot stuff, I'm not too sure because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of hikers 
out there. You know, there's a whole adventure like world out there. And to me, and there's tons of cameras right now. So if we, if there was a thing, then I think more people would, especially now, there would be more footage of it, right? Like as you can, you can tell right now that there's been more UFO like leaks now, not that there. Yeah, there's more sightings now yes, that anybody can because, just pick yeah, up and the, just go, and oh, look. The Pentagon's talked about some stuff, right? It's been released with some of the, you know, the the the, the, the crazy stuff with that stuff is the military talks about it about it right yeah when so they go they're we, credible yeah we don't know what the, uh debatable sure but yeah but they go we don't know what that is you're like oh yeah good lord they don't even know what it is yeah i mean but there's at least been some footage leaking so with the bigfoots and the chupacabras and the yetis i don't know maybe who knows that'd be kind of cool though I'd, I'd be down <laughs> that would be that- i don't believe in it to answer your question but i i would i if there's one if one showed up then they're really good at hiding. <laughs> so I interviewed somebody uh, in an earlier episode who has been studying Sasquatch in Colorado for 30 years. And he sent me photos. Wow. But now his uh, defense of that, because they're, they're all blurry and they look like, I, I'm Here's the thing. If you're Are a you big skeptical part, a little or do you play it on the just uh, the investigative uh, so I'm I'm side. kind of in the middle with everything yeah. until we have definitive evidence proving one way or the other. I can't make a definitive explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a Bigfoot researcher, please, for the love of God, get one of these. Don't get an Android yeah. because I'm not trying to look at at a 360p photo in 2023. Like, but he said that uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch at least has supernatural powers and will distort your camera. Which seems a little oh, uh, seems a little convenient. That's, yeah, that's of an a answer. little convenient. How does I mean? How does he even know that? <laughs> well, he's been searching. He's been studying it for thirty years. Wow. But he says there's multiple where he lives. He says there's multiple. Wait, let me see. Oh, you gotta show me these pictures. I'll Jack. show them to you afterwards. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll show them to you. Distort um, your camera. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That he even like said stretch. I was sitting right here because it was a Zoom call. I was sitting right here, and he says. He, he looks at me and he's, and I'm not discrediting him. It was just a crazy statement he made that he said, I have seen them open up a zipper and walk through into a different dimension. Wow. And I was like, it's crazy. What? And you didn't even like, th- I get it. Like in the heat of the moment, you're like, what? The? But you didn't even think to just like get your phone out and just take a photo of that. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's my play on that. Like if there's so many cameras now with a 1080p at 720p, even you got to get a better picture at least. So I'm dying to know now because I do, and I'll show you this afterwards, I do deep dive videos where they're almost like documentaries um, that I talk about a specific subject. As somebody who was, I guess, their entire job was basically to ensure that this will get attention. What kind of a blueprint would you lay down for somebody in this space? In the Because you and I have kind of worked in the same, not I don't want to say field, but realm of content. Mm-hmm. What would you say, in your professional and personal opinion, would be good for this genre of content to like really hook somebody in, based on what you've done and what you've seen? Well, I think that the the I just watched a new episode of of uh, is it Destination uh, Expedition Unknown Expedition on Discovery. Unknown. Yeah, it's he's they definitely lean back on that type of stuff, and they they've done more like. Indiana Jones exploration type of things, right? So, right, like, where that, are the conquistadors? Yeah, buried? more like I like that. I like the documentary type of stuff. So, I would lean towards being fair. Like, show what you show, 
if you need to ham it up a little bit, that's cool too. Like you said, just to, cause you want people to watch it, but don't flat out lie. <laughs> right. But I think, I think hamming it up could be, you don't need to fabricate. You could no. just, you can rely on production value. Yes. You yeah. can make it look good. You can make mm-hmm. it interesting. You can make it sound good. And people like transparency now, even just say, yeah. look, Hey, look, we set up three nights we tried it. We tried look, you know, looking for the ghost. Blah blah blah. We got nothing, and this is what we sound. We got. You know what I mean? It's like just tell the truth, right? I just like, you know, I grew up like Catholic, so I I don't like being lied to. So, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. No, it makes sense. But <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I told my parents like I do not believe in any of this crap. At 21, and I'm mom, moving to Hollywood. Mom, yeah, my mom cried, and she was cool though, you know. But like, right? So I have like PTSD of like just be, people lying, you know. So and and I think that's what may, ultimately made me leave too, because there was just too much bullshit, dude, in in LA, in in that space, in the reality TV space, right? So um, I I would it, my advice would be like. Shoot the content and see what you what you get, but just you know maybe it's ninety percent truth and ten percent fabricated. If you're gonna fabricate it, like just make it a good ratio, <laughs> you know. That's so that that's like some of the best like wisdom you could get about making content because yeah. a lot of the times these people just feel like they just and I get it. Like we're in a world now where. You have seconds to grab yes. somebody. Yes. You don't have like, oh, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll right. do it too, right? Because I need views, right? But then like most of the content, like if it, I guess it just depends on so on so also on your brand, like Logan Paul and all those guys that are, yeah. are based and based off like just children, crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like well, I need know. to make sure these 10 these yeah. year olds watch my content. Yeah. But even those people eventually evolve as they grow and like, grow their brand now they're doing something else like so sometimes if you if you want to go that route and, and it's always been that route it's always been like uh sensationalism outlandish crazy stuff that's what sells right that's what people want to watch the train wreck nobody wants to watch a boring editing podcast although there is one now which is really interesting which, which one is it's that called one? the editing podcast you should watch it it There's was the editor from Mr. Beast and Logan Paul. He started his own show. Oh, oh, um, and they're yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. dude. You'd nerd out on that. I stuff. would. I've watched yeah. uh, Hillier. Yes. Yeah, I've watched his YouTube yes. stuff before. There was one that I watched, or there's a podcast. I, so I really only listen to like legitimately two podcasts, and one of them is Rogan, and it's yes. really only on seldom like the Protect Our Parks. I love mm-hmm. those because it's just four idiots being idiots for four hours. But then another one I listen to is uh, the last podcast on the left. And they're a true crime podcast, much oh, like this. Yeah, um, I love them though because they do like deep. Di- they'll do like four part series on things, but it's yep. still they're all comedians though too. Nice. So you get the full thing, but it's also like lighthearted at the same. Mm-hmm. I guess as lighthearted as you could be. But that's the thing about those podcasts is they entertain you too, right? They're funny, right? Right. Which so. I'm not a comedian, but I feel like I kind of do that as well. <laughs> like especially when we have George on the decks, like him and I will just like. Like we just did one where we we were reading uh, the episode that came out today. Uh, we were reading like Appalachian like creepy stories, and we were just like, mm, "Did that actually happen?" And we created like a rating system and started telling people like their eyewitness accounts were like a one orb mm. out of five because we, we tried to make it on brand. And so we we're like, "Oh, let's do orbs," you know? Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I get that. Um, Wait, what's Goatman? I just looked at you. Oh, logo. you don't know what Goatman is? What is, is Goatman? Oh, dude. So Goatman oh, is... Oh, wait. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you've seen that, That's right? That's from... Um, 
that one of those shows, right? Like no, so no? that was like a a Im internet image. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, people who aren't seeing this, which you should be, because we're on Spotify and YouTube, you can watch this. You don't have to just listen. But on the logo, um, I used uh, I kind of did this cool thing. So like the background is a newspaper. And it's, it's literally just says, have you ever seen a ghost? I love it. And I just gosh and blurred it. And then over it, I put like Polaroids <laughs> of like goat, like, goat man. And then I have aliens on this side. And then I just have the logo over it. That's awesome. Thank you. So <laughs> Thank he's you. like half goat, half man. Yeah. And so he like is said to like haunt people with like an ax. And like there's a specific bridge that if you go over at nighttime, you'll see red, you'll see glowing red eyes and it'll come after you. God, there was a lot of that back in the day for sure. Like I remember growing up in the 80s and my parents would tell me crazy stories like that. In, uh, Did you in grow up here? No, well, well, I was born in the Philippines and they okay. had crazy stories like that all the time. See, the Philippines, the I don't even touch. Wilderness. I'm, yeah. And there would be like like half Dracula, half woman thing. It was just... This is yeah, a, I, I, I like remember that one. Like this long tongue. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. I forgot the name, but it's yeah. It's called the Aswang or something. It's like this yeah. woman who would come in and she'd float above your like Nipa hut and she would like stick her tongue out and eat... It, it would. She would be like... Um, she would eat the baby of mm -hmm. like a pregnant woman. That yeah. was like the folk tale, folklore, right? Um, and uh, just crazy stuff like that. Like there would be like this giant who would smoke a cigar and you couldn't pass the bridge or something. I it's just, this, it was just, that shit scared the sh shit out of me as yeah. a young kid because you, were, my parents were just traumatizing me by these <laughs> like freaking superstitious ghosts. They just stories. wanted you to behave for five they minutes. Did, yeah. and so oh, there they was, created lifelong trauma. There was one I believed until well over. Uh, till my 20s, my parents told me when I was like five or three in the Philippines that I went to the back of the house and I played with these duendes, which are dwarves, and they would like take me to their dwarf kingdom. And like, I got really sick because I kept hanging out with the dwarf kings and the dwarf king wanted to keep me. And then like they had to hire, they hired like a witch doctor and like did a whole like chicken ceremony and they gave all this stuff to to the dwarves and then I stopped hanging out with the dwarves and I was fine. And I believe this forever, dude. <laughs> and so you weren't you weren't actively conscious during this. I don't you remember were, any of this yeah, shit. Okay, so just, they just told me one time like, "Hey, do you know when you were small that <laughs> the dwarves almost kidnapped you?" I'm like, that like is legit, that a gang <laughs> that legit stuck with me forever and so you were telling people and they were like i never told dude, anyone except for now actually well glad we could get that out here yeah i'm sure you were like i'm not telling anybody that oh, yeah. think I'm crazy i think my mom and my sister know about it but now you know and this podcast knows about everybody it. everybody knows about yeah. it now now it's gonna be all I'm sure the filipino community will get it duendes they're like the dwarves they're like gnomes and yeah. Shit. yeah 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 like the fae and all that mm -hmm. yeah so what was the craziest moment being an editor, maybe not necessarily scary or creepy, but like what's something that like maybe people didn't like, wouldn't even think of, but you were like, this is absolutely insane. Like just at in any this session in the session oh. as you know, or even yeah, just we content you've received, like do you ever receive something and you're like, there's no way we can air this. Oh, okay. There's a couple of them. There's one from face off where, uh, the whole episode was body nude painting. And, um, I spent like two weeks blurring out people's like nipples and butts. And to me, I, I slept in the bay. 
Like this you was just not, slept in the bay. Yeah, because it was like the deadline was crazy. Like we had to do one show a week and it would air. Right. So it's like the, once you get the tapes from we used to get tapes from online, from offline editing. There was a guy who would deliver all the tapes. And what online editors do in the first session is they get one tape. There were like these DVC pros and you pop them in for like seven hours. And then the uh, footage would become HD because they didn't edit in HD and offline. They would edit in like 360p or something. There'd be like 20 editors crafting this one show. And it was like just a shitload of stuff. And I just remember the, 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 the of course, the computer would crash this right. whole time. So I would just be sleeping in the bay. That's one crazy, like, that's more like tedious taxing moment for me. And this is, those are, those are the moments are where you're like questioning your existence. <laughs> you're just like, yeah. what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? And there was another instance where I was working for a show at, on FX. It was at FX uh, Networks. And it was a pilot episode for this show called Black and White. Oh, no, it was from this. It was a pilot episode from this show called 30 Days. And it was this guy who, who made Super Size Me, right? Yes, yes. So he ate Super Size Me was this TV show where he like supersized everything, right? And then he became a vegan after. Well, he had a show on FX called 30 Days, season one. And we did the pilot for that in our production uh, studio. And it was a nightmare to online to get to broadcast. The producer was super, like, he was cool, but he was always stressed out. And um, we had just spent a grueling one week trying to get this episode going. The graphics would crash. Like, everything was wrong. It, everything was wrong, basically. And I remember being in the session at, like, 2 a.m., and the computer just shuts down and crashes. And this guy, like... Steps out of the office and he's like freaking screaming at the producer, whoever the network guys. He comes in and he's screaming at me like at 2 a.m. And just like, like, have you ever had a grown man just start screaming at you mm -hmm. at like age 20? I was 24. This is where you're just like, man, this is just, this is nuts. This is nuts. This I've is had crazy. those experiences here. Really? Granted, wow. they're not here anymore, but yeah, yeah. like I'm 25 and I was yeah. like, I have a whole like <laughs> child and I'm being yelled at by a grown man yeah, he was who nuts. also has children. Like we're no. in this situation right now. Yeah. He was crazy. He's like, go fucking call your fucking boss right now. Fuck it. Fucking fuck. It was just like crazy. Just nuts. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like trying to restart the computer. Now, let me ask. This will do it. Restart it. Let me ask. <laughs> Apple or PC? It was an old Mac, dude. That's this, why. Dude, this That's was why. Mac. Could have solved you problems. Okay. This was Mac OS 9. <laughs> what was the name of that? Was it Mountain Lion? Uh, something like that. Yeah. It was something stupid, dude. But I remember those Those are the instances where, uh, at least from production or editing, post-production, where it was was crazy. I've done a couple cool things though, like fun stuff. Like I did, I edited uh, Angela from the Office's reel before she got really big. That's super. Like her her like her reel, her acting reel. Yeah. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. So Angela from the Office had walked in and she had these this is DVDs full of her shit. Right. Uh, dot M. Uh, 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 she had DVDs of her old acting gigs. And she did a lot of stuff with Game Show Network at the time. And I think she was friends with my boss. And she's like, hey, you know, I need uh, to find work. I just got picked up from this show. Don't know if it's going to do well. Not sure if it's going to get picked up for next season. I'm only a supporting cast member. It's called the show, uh, a British show called The Office. Right. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be on for the next couple seasons. 
they're not really paying me very much or whatever, right? Right. Who knows if the show's going to go anywhere? Yeah. And then she, you know, I edited her little acting reel and she probably never had to do anything after the fact because like, Uh, nope, her story's like the biggest story. Now she's on like, she has her own version of ridiculousness and yeah, she's set. So like, like, do you think she would remember you? If you, she, if you like, I, I remember her. I remember. Bur- <laughs> of course, you remember, I remember her. her burning. I remember burning a uh, uh, a mixtape with Weezer on it. <laughs> like, wait, little wait, things to her. Yeah, because like that's how you would share things back in the day. Yeah, You'd yeah. Like, oh, here's okay. a mix so you, CD. You weren't giving her a yeah, love we were tape. Ta- no, we were talking about music. Okay. We were, she yeah, was yeah. talking about her career. Like there was nothing. It was all professional. But it was just like you know we had a you know you're with a person for like six hours trying to edit their shit. Yeah, you're gonna I, have a non-editing yeah, quite exactly. conversation yeah. at some point. Yeah. So I, and then you know there's another crazy story that really sticks out when I was like just interning. I remember that uh, my boss gave me a little camcorder, like a tape camcorder. He's like, go to this address, um, just hit record. You're going to be recording the whole session and don't say anything. So I sh- show up to the studio and Sylvester Stallone walks in. Uh, Jack Black, Tenacious D walk in. I'm like, what is this thing? And then just all this Saturday Night Live uh, crew walks in and then I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, all right, well, this is, you know, the writers from Men in Black walk in. They're like, yeah, we wrote Men in Black and this is our like new claymation thing. It's called Automatons. It never got picked up, but they were doing voice acting for this ensemble cast, like all-star cast for, um, you know, because they're going to have to record voices first. And then I remember that was one day. They were like, the next day, go to this house, right? Go to this house on Hollywood Boulevard in Beverly Hills or in Beverly Hills. So I go to this house, pull up, two-hour two hour parking. I walk into the house. This guy opens the door. He's in like full camo gear, six foot, whatever. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I walk past – I go in his – I walk past the living room. There's like a dinosaur head in in the – in the freaking uh, pool area. There's video games everywhere. I go downstairs. It's Billy Bob Thornton, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, what's going on? And he's drinking beers the whole time. He has got his headphones on. He's doing voiceover and he's throwing bottle caps everywhere. And the producers would pick it up and he'd be like, no, 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 Leave him there. I think he's a little OCD, right? So he's like, the whole time you're supposed to be quiet. This is like an enclosed voiceover booth. And my job was to record the whole thing. And I go, and those tape... DVD record uh, D, uh, those tape camcorders are hella noisy. Yeah. So I go, and then like everyone's looking at me because like I'm making all this noise when I'm supposed to be really quiet, and I'm like sitting there, God, like thinking, holy shit, I'm in Billy Bob Thornton's freaking basement. Now, if you had this camera you have here, obviously that wouldn't have been a problem. You'd this have been was like, like 2004. Yeah. So you know, yeah. tape was still king then. Yeah, like these stupid little ki- uh, yeah tape. Uh, camcorders but yeah that, that, I mean there's a couple of those man there's a ton of these obviously I also I was a huge drunk when I was in <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> that's the whole like therapy session in itself you know I was right. like oh yeah that part was also why I left LA <laughs> it's, yeah it's right it's, everybody's on some lifestyle yeah. yeah you would just you know you would work crazy hours and then you would go party you know so Man, I don't envy you on that no. aspect whatsoever. Yeah. I do enjoy what I edit now. Uh, you know, I do everything from long form to literally today. I just made an eleven second clip, and so I, I totally feel for you on all that. So, 
going forward, like, would you do any of that all over again? I mean, obviously the experience is like probably invaluable, but like, yes. but doing it that way. Uh, maybe not the drink, the drinking part, right? And the self abuse and just all the chaos and all the trauma. I mean, I'm ten years sober now, so it's like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it differently because, you know, we're here right now. You know what I mean? Made you who you yeah, are today. It's definitely, it, it's definitely, it is what it is, and I wouldn't go back and do it. <laughs> I wouldn't go back and do it. Right. If I, if I, um. If I went back and had a time machine and I would uh, talk to my 20-year-old self, I would be like, yo, dude, remember those guys in IT when they were mining for shit? Go invest in their shit because they were they did it right. Uh, they yeah, started they're... mining for Bitcoin or Ethereum back in the day in 2010. Yeah, I, uh, I I missed that boat too. Now we have two crypto shows that are in here and they're, uh, they're still giving me points and I'm like... Uh, I know what you're telling me is the truth, uh, but I just like I I have no discretionary income to just go dump on that. No, yeah, that was back. That was I remember. I, so here's a fun fact: like back in the day, we had like these server rooms, right? This was in 2010. The IT department would always talk to our uh, editorial department because our systems would always go down. You know, our drives would go down, and then my buddy was like, "Come check this out." He goes into this big server room and he's like, "We're mining for." Uh, coins i'm like what <laughs> like, like pennies like this is like a video game or something and they're like no we're taking our old computers and we're mining for these like coins and this was in 2010 and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about right now and he's like and then he brought and he was my roommate and then he brought more computers home and then he kept mining for coins over the years dude flashback to like maybe two years late or two years ago he was able to cash that out and buy a house <laughs> but after mining for almost 10 or over 10 well, years, like, like he invested it in, in places too. Okay. You know okay. I mean? He was Sam able like, to damn. like start the uh, start on it really quick. Like he was the early adapter of all that Bitcoin and crypto shit. And nobody knew what the fuck that was. Right. I think Bitcoin was like $600 in 2010, dude. It was, I think it was cheaper than that. Probably. Like, there was a point where it was like 30 bucks and people oh, were yeah. like, I'm not spending 30 bucks on that. And now you're yep. like 34,000. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm not paying that much, but yeah. Yeah. We're totally not on brand with your... With your but that's uh, okay, though, because we have the link. That's, okay, good. So let's so then let's jump back into it. Yeah. You, Robert, as an individual, have you ever... And we'll, we'll kind of finish off with this question. I always ask this to every guest. Have you personally ever had an encounter with the paranormal? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would... I, you know, I live alone, so I'd be... I, I'm glad... Right. That's yeah. It might be a little happened. scarier yeah. when you're alone. Yeah. I used to be though, before I got, when I was drinking, I would have, I would be so paranoid that I would have like, um, these like crazy dreams. I think it was from like traumatic, like brainwashing from my parents with all these ghost stories. Right. Being like, we almost sold you. <laughs> yeah. To, it's to like, these oh my God. I would, I remember, I don't smoke weed very much, but I remember going, like, getting high and just seeing the devil. I'm like, what am I, what is going on right now? <laughs> you know what would, was, would scare me mostly is like the, the statues in the Catholic church and stuff, like these yeah. little people. Yeah, I remember being really terrified with just like religion, actually. <laughs> you know what? That's a, I've never heard anybody say it like that, yeah. but it makes total sense. Because like, as a kid, you see all these like statues and eyes. And like, I remember walking to a church, it would be like creepy to me. Yeah. And then you listen to how God's watching you. 
and how God is always, always there. Guilt trip and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was always, always like you'd always feel bad, and that's just my views. But I remember being a kid and just like, why do I feel like this when this is supposed to be like a nice, positive thing? And so, um, I'm not, not not as an adult. I'm 43, so I haven't really seen any of that stuff. And I hope I don't because I would probably shit my pants if I saw a Bigfoot. Like if I was taking a piss at 2 a.m. <laughs> Well, Robert, I want to say thank you again so much for coming on. This is yeah, a little bit you. of a last-minute thing, but I appreciate you. I appreciate your service in creating content that I watched religiously as a kid. Dude, we got to take a little picture. Of you got to show me that Bigfoot thing, Of too. course, yeah, I'm going to yeah. show you all that. But uh, everybody, thanks for watching. You can get cool merch like this hat that I'm wearing or stickers like this for your Hydro Flask. I know I got to get one for Amber back there because we're the Hydro Flask girlies here. Hello. Yo, I want a, sh a hat. Can I get a hat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then so now we are doing uh, our weekly live streams where we're watching creepy TikToks. You can submit them, and if yours gets picked as the creepiest, you can win some free merch. So you can do that in our YouTube channel, which the link will be in the show notes. Uh, Robert, actually, before we go, is there anything you want to promote? Like, where can people find you? They can just follow me at Robert Condal. Just all my random dumb shit. <laughs> right. And then, so, uh, what what do you have in the works right now? I know I see you at least on Thursdays. But. Yeah. we Well, I run a media company here in Las Vegas. So, Creative Collective Media is my production company. And I, really, it's just that. You know, I do some gear reviews. So, just follow me. If you want to get in touch with me, hit me up. want to do something cool. I'm always down. Perfect. Perfect. All right, everybody. Thank you again so much. Join our Discord. You can join the conversation down in the show notes. And until next time, everybody, stay bizarre. Stay <laughs> bizarre.